0: Do you think a fitting where a person walks in and hits three to four drivers, which is the typical session, right, is going to find the right driver combination for you more than what's trending towards the future?
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks, and welcome back to No Puts Given. We have Adam, Harry, Chris, and Tony to break it all down today. This is episode 70. Let's get it.
2: Lenny is just going to stare into the camera like this.
1: Why don't we get started today, Harry? Let's check in. How's testing going? I know you're making your way through the putter test now, right?
3: Yeah, I'm looking at potentially getting the putter test done a week today. So that blade test will be completo. Uh, and then we'll start the mallets.
1: How's it looking? Any any trends or little sneak peeks you can pick out for us?
3: Nope. Putter, putter testing is one of the hardest ones to see a trend because... We're manually inputting the data, I'm not seeing that much variance. But as soon as you put it all into our algorithm, then you can see a huge difference. Um, especially with three three parts. Three parts are the ones that make it pop a little bit more, and and some putters do end up being a little bit worse for wear when it comes to three parts.
1: All right, well, we'll be on the lookout for those results. Guys, I want to jump in today to our first topic. And we talk about fittings quite often here on No Puts Given and at My Golf Spy in general. But I think when we talk about fittings, we talk about in person at the retail store, wherever it may be, with a fitter type fittings. However, there is a new trend making its way into the golf stratosphere. Adam, why don't you tell us and give us a lowdown on digital fittings and what are they and do you think it's going to take over?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, fitters aren't going to want to hear this, but um, I'm not saying robots are going to replace their jobs, but to some degree they will. And there's there's a lot of things that we're seeing that are happening right now, also that we're hearing about that are coming out in the next year or so, and just where the space is going. And uh, that's take, for example, true golf fit, true golf fit is a product that we came out with, which is a personalized online golf fitting system or engine that can fit you sitting on your ass, eating Cheetos about as good as you can by walking into a store or maybe even better. I personally think it's better. And there's a lot of reasons for that. This week, we had a conversation with a major business in the golf space that will be coming out with a similar product to true golf fit. You also have, you know, global golf. You try uh, that lets you try different products and see which fits for you, best for you. You have Dollar Driver Club. You have all this data collection like Arcos uh, that now is going to be kind of worked hand-in-hand hand with fitters to help find the, the clubs that perform best for you. And there's just the inherent issues with human fittings in general. And when you step back and look at them, it seems pretty obvious. Meaning, if you were to walk into 10 stores today and try to get fit 10 times, you would probably get about five to six different recommendations on what would be best for you. And we know that's just not true. There's fatigue issues from a human standpoint. You just can't test every single club on the market in a single time. There's also issues with the qualifications of the fitter you're with. And we all know that, you know, there aren't a million really highly qualified fitters. You might've had a slice for 30 years and walked in that day and got a fitting and started hitting a hook that day, and they're gonna be basing your fitting off of what you're doing that exact day and not what you've done over your whole you know, life for the most part. So there's all kinds of inherent issues with human fittings versus robot fittings and data fittings, data-driven fittings. And whether people wanna agree with it or not, it's just better, so it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Uh, in the next five to 10 years, I think you're gonna see a big shift
1: Chris, what do you think? Do you agree? Do you think we're going to see in-person fittings as a thing of the past?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Are. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight or, or things like that, but I would challenge people whose first gut response is to go, oh, that's never going to happen. That's crazy. What are you guys talking about? You know, That's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Just stop for a second and think like five, 10 years ago great example, you know, 10 years ago, Netflix was trying to figure out how to to spin off its DVD business. Again, granted, it's like 2011 or whatever. I don't feel like it's that long ago necessarily. I did the Bridgestone V-Fit thing last year. It was within one mile per hour of my swing as I tested it on Foresight on our GC quad. It was crazy accurate. And what it did is it removed, you know, if I was looking at 20 different golf balls, you know, it narrowed it down to two that I could then order and try. Well, that made my process a lot quicker and you're just going to see more and more and more of those options. So absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's what I love about this, Chris. So, right. I always like to look at it from a math equation. Let's say there's a million variables, heads, shafts, weights, kick points, grips, links, you know, uh, all these different things that are variables to finding the best possible driver for you or club, whatever it may be. And trying to get that to one of one, right? That lottery ticket where you scratch it every time and win versus one out of a million. And right now, if you went to a human fitter, I mean, how many heads are they even trying for you? How many shaft combinations are they trying for you? There's no way that they're trying all million of those. A computer, in theory, will one day be able to compute all those computations on all those different variables and tell you definitively what the one best combination is for you and that's where it needs to go, right? Because that serves the consumer better. It puts them in a product that they're happier with, shoot lower scores, and enjoy the game more. Plus,
3: the tough part about it is if you go to a fitter and they say, say they did have all the 30 heads and shafts combinations, blah, 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 diminishing returns hits around about 55 to 65 swings. So your first 20 swings could be a warm up in a, in a club that potentially could be best for you, but you're warming up. So your swing speed's not going to get up there. Therefore, you're Ball speed might not get up there, your potential ball speed. In the middle of the bell curve, that's where you could be peaking at your best with a a club that potentially is not going to beat out your one that you warmed up with. It's a, it's a great point. And, and that you might get through maybe five or six drivers hitting 10 shots apiece. But what what about the other drivers that you have to come back in another day with potentially a different swing and a potentially different fitter
0: (laughs) and to put a layer on top of that how is the actual fitter judging what is quote unquote the best driver for you are they using stroke scanned are they just going right yeah this one went the longest or i mean there's so many things that can go wrong with a human fitting
3: it it does it it just depends really it really does um because another big problem is there's not many fitters out there for the everyday golfer
0: where's the closest fitter to us harry
3: I believe it's either Virginia Beach or Richmond for like a, a good fitter. Now, every company has their own reps, per se, when they come to country clubs and get fit there.
0: Yeah, but I mean, where does anybody around us go to get fit? There's nobody. Mm-mm. We've Unless talked you, about those
1: reps yeah. before, too, and you, you have to worry about some sort of bias as well because oh, they're fitting you, you, you for their company's clubs. Yeah,
0: you can damn sure bet they're going to push you into their club. Yeah, when I wanted to get fit for a
4: driver last year and I was going through stuff, I called Tony. I'm like, all right, dude. You look at this data all the time, all this stuff. Here's kind of what I'm down to. Give me some feedback, Tony. How
0: much you charge for fittings? <laughs> Not nearly enough. Not enough.
4: <laughs> Not enough. I don't think he charged me anything, but it was I've, like I've
2: done more. Uh, I've done more work for beers I didn't even <laughs> want to drink.
4: <laughs> but the point was, I would rather you know. Yeah, again, Tony has Glenn at TPI. He can call up his buddy Glenn and say, "Glenn, what's some of this?" <laughs> I can call Tony and say, "Hey." right people don't have a tony to call right they don't no. have that 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 type of resource so like like saying, harry you can do it from the comfort of you know your living room couch or whatever and if you have a place where you can take swings video your swing i mean yeah i mean pretty much everybody has a smartphone or some way to do something like that far more people have a smartphone probably than have you know hundreds of dollars to go throw at a fitting right and if you can do that and interface with big data you just removed you know a lot of the barriers to getting good information back to you and no i'm not going to give out tony's phone number but you know <laughs> it's the
3: same kind of thing well i i think of your analogy is uh amazon mine would be at least in england you would go if you wanted a key done you would go to a, a local person who would hand craft the key that's at least in england we might be behind the times are we
4: talking locksmith <laughs> it sounds really yeah, behind but- yeah, well, we still had that. We didn't have Is this like 1875?
0: Or- <laughs> Matt, I'm pre-telling you right now, this probably will not make it into the final cut.
4: <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm
3: just
0: kidding.
2: <laughs> we we won the key-making technology in the war. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm,
3: I'm curious to know where you're going with this. Well, I'm saying like it evolves because I came over here and you put it into a machine and it scans it and does all that thing. That was <laughs> you like have been over terrible.
1: here for a long time, by the way. <laughs> eight,
0: years, eight years. Do you sound like a saying. neighborhood cobbler?
3: or somebody? Like- look
0: how much has happened in just eight years, Dude, Harry. Look at the key. You could just put
3: it in a machine now. You don't have to this wait is- two days.
0: Tony, you and I got into the wrong business, man. We should have not built True Golf Fit. We should have built that electronic key machine. We should have just brought
2: the key machine to England.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Still might be able to.
2: Wait, no,
1: I need, I need more explanation. They carved a it a like they hand, like chiseled
2: it, trace
0: yeah. it, get a. File hey, that out. was Miranda. That's how they used to do key fittings back in the day, and yeah. that is the equivalent of human fittings.
1: I cannot remember in my lifetime. If we needed to make a key copy oh. that we didn't just go to Lowe's or Home Depot and at least the people put it in the machine to cut.
2: When, when Harry was a boy, they, they <laughs> took a piece of wood and chewed it's out really- the pattern <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. hoped they didn't get splinters in their tongue. That's
4: I know it's a ridiculous analogy and actually, Harry, I appreciate that because <laughs> really that's about how far behind we are on Clubfish. Like- yeah, boom. That's exactly where I was going, Chris. There are parts of club fitting now that are a lot like chewing a key template out of acacia wood or whatever. The point is that's about how far behind we are in, in in some ways, and we know that golf is notorious for lagging in a lot of these you know ways. When you know people are people get all fired up right now about AI and 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 you know artificial intelligence and computers running all these simulations and doing all that stuff. Well, in other industries, right, that would be like. Yeah, we've been doing that for a couple of decades, buddy.
3: Well, you're you're seeing it in coaching. I know there's coaches out there, because of the pandemic, they're doing online, and it's more prevalent now, they're doing online coaching.
0: Uh, Human fittings are like blockbusters, you know, they're getting ready to have, they're getting ready to go out of business, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just like those key makers. That's right.
1: I'm texting your mom right now to see (laughs) if she were to make a copy of a key today, if she'd have to go to a person to chisel it or if they have machines.
3: (laughs) I'm just saying that actually happens.
0: I I just don't think people realize how inefficient in-person fittings are. They think that because there's a buddy they know or somebody, you know, a master fitter. And granted, these people have a wealth of knowledge. Don't get me wrong but it's inherently impossible for them to find the one best driver for you with all the built-in issues that come with the territory. With Like Harry said, we know fatigue starts at 55, 60 shots. Well, you know, there you go right there. You need to hit tens of thousands of shots to know which driver is best for you, yep. and 50 just ain't going to get it done. Nope.
1: Tony, you've been relatively quiet on this, but I'm assuming you're on the same page as the rest of the guys that, yes, no, you're not. No, no I'm gonna,
2: there's, there's actually, as, as to whether in-person fitting is going to die, go away. There, there's a quote that I came upon very recently that I think really sums up my answer. And that is, never going to happen. That's crazy. What are you talking about? And, and I would also add that, <laughs> that I think you guys are
0: drunk. Like, I think this is hilarious because Tony helped build True Golf Fit. Right? I did. <laughs> and um, the entire time we were building this, we were talking about how terrible regular fittings are for the average golfer. And now he shits on part of the own product that he helped build. It's well, look, I'm, I'm not saying that, that fitting in-person fitting is
2: perfect and cannot be improved. What I'm saying is it's, it's not going away anytime soon. And I think I think, again, data is going to make fitting more efficient. It's going to do things like instead of putting 30 drivers in front of people, go, you know what, we're going to narrow this down to three or five and we're going to see what you like. There are certain realities that you're absolutely positively never going to get from data matching and the things like that. You're, you're not going to know, for example, when a guy hits a driver, if he's going to hate the sound of it and it's going to be immediately disqualifying. You're not going to know if when he puts it down, something in the way that sets up at address causes him to shut the face or open the face or do something that's completely atypical. And you're never, ever going to overcome the, the absolutely re- reality that, that regardless of what we can tell you from a performance perspective, golfers, and it, it's probably a healthy majority, are just going to buy what they want or the closest to the best fit they can get among the group of drivers that they like, even if none of them are the absolute best. If there's anything about a driver that a golfer doesn't like, again, maybe it's something in the way it sets up. Maybe it's something in the way that it sounds. Maybe... Maybe it's a guy that got fit into a brand that, for whatever reason, he thinks is inferior to the brand that, you know, he would gravitate to. The first time he hits a bad shot with that driver, he's going to question that fitting immediately.
0: All right. Well, two two ways to fix that. You take your, what you just said, which I I think some of that is correct, you know. But let's take a TruGolf Fit or some of these other products that are being developed, and it narrows it down to three. And then they ship you out those three drivers. You get to try those drivers and see if you like the sound and feel, right? So problem solved. The older demographic that you're talking about that wants to do all those things, I don't think the 20-year-old kid now, when he gets older, is going to expect to walk into a store anymore and try a driver. So I do think the future is trending that way. But also, there's a couple things that that get really down into the weeds, but Tony and I know to be true. And that is some drivers perform better on certain places of the face of a driver. High toe, low heel, whatever. Those are things that are never going to be discovered in a human fitting scenario. And those are things that only can be discovered with lots of data. Right. So if you are a high toe hitter, maybe we don't want to change your swing or adapt. We want to make the equipment work to your swing so we can find drivers that have one point one miles an hour ball speed higher high toe section and that's never going to be discovered in in human fittings right now currently.
2: You know, I would argue that I think I think probably guys that that do nothing but fittings and spend their lives doing fittings probably learn pretty quickly. How many are there out there? How many we got in the whole United States? Yeah, it's it's
3: right, it's not enough. And plus it doesn't pay enough.
2: It's not enough to cover the population.
0: Thank you. So once again, it's inefficient, right? There's not enough people that are knowledgeable to do that. And there are some, but there's not enough. So how do you solve the people that can't make it to those places with virtual?
2: That's a different argument, right? Like making it better for guys who can't get to fitters versus replacing fitters entirely. And so, you know, I'm looking, what is the trend again? I think it's using data to improve the in-person fitting experience. It's stuff like, again, we've talked about this before. Arcos partnering with fitters like Uh TXG and Club Champion, where you in addition to getting a good fitting, like it's not, you know, bye-bye, see you later. It's like, hey, we think this is right for you. Go play with it. And again, we're gonna use that data to improve on what we gave
0: you if it needs to be improved on. So I think that's kind of where things are headed. Hold on one second. Let's look at the numbers with that scenario. How many people walk into a shop like TXG or Club Champion versus how many people shop online?
2: I think if Callaway relied on TXG and Club Champion to sell 100% of their product, um, they, their market share would, would not measure.
0: So let's look at the, big, the pyramid, the pie, right? Who makes up the bigger piece of the pie? Not people walking into stores getting fittings that are going to have Arcos data. More people are going to look for that to be able to get that online and then go into a store or order those three options directly to their door through an Amazon box, try them on their own, never have to walk into a store, right? Way more people do that than walk into stores and get fittings. You know, we saw
2: for a period of years, right, where custom fitting was ticking up. I wouldn't be shocked if it started to tick back down again because these type of tools are becoming more readily available. And there are guys, right, that for whatever reason can't get to a fitter, intimidated by the experience. Expensive?
3: Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. It's ridiculously expensive.
2: Cost, right? Guys who who want no part of it. But on the other end of the spectrum, you do have people who want the absolute best they can get, want that experience, will pay more, and again, I, I use that word experience on purpose. There are guys who want there to be an experience associated with buying a golf club. Not, not I just walked into the club like I went in and spent some time and, you know, had an enjoyable time, right? Really, this was like going to an amusement park for a day. Some of us, that's what club fitting is like. Woohoo, you know, I'm going to get fit for a new driver today. That, that's
0: exciting. I want to ask you a question, though, Tony. I mean, based on 10 years of us working together on this and trying to constantly improve a true golf fit product. Do you think a fitting where a person walks in and hits three to four drivers, which is the typical session, right, is going to find the right driver combination for you more than what's trending towards the future?
2: If I'm playing the odds, you know, I think the odds are on the data. But I say that if I look at the pool of all places where you can buy a golf club. But you know, if if you're telling me like if if you're gonna go to a guy who who lives this stuff, like TXG, I, I mentioned like the guys at Pete's Golf, another place, right? That that live it. Like I'm gonna
0: take my chances with those guys. Dude, how many million golfers are there in the United States and how many absolutely how many people walk into TXG a year?
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm not disputing, right? That there aren't enough good fitters to service the volume, and so you do get mediocre fittings. But if you're saying, hey, what what are you gonna take a take a chance on an algorithm and I built those algorithms they're pretty good but you know if I have the opportunity to to go to an in-person location with a top tier fitter that's what I'm going to do because I enjoy that experience.
3: Tony you would be a terrible businessman if you uh, come in (laughs) I'm going to build this product but I'm not going to I'm not going to Trust it.
2: But I didn't sit down and go, how do how do we build something that competes with the most elite fitting, the people that are the absolute best at what they do?
0: No, we. you know what we did? We said fittings are shit and we're going to try to improve them. And that's what we built.
2: Well, yeah, no, I'm like, right, let's build something for the other 95%.
1: Tony, to sum it up, what it sounds like to me is you like the experience of the in-person fitting, but you're taking the philosophy and the data of the digital fittings and just putting it into an in-person experience. So you're sort of you're you're, you have a middleman there that if you're far away from something, you can cut that out. You still get the same result.
0: I want to get off the podcast and on the phone call, Tony, with this right now, and just say, what is the better fitting right now? Across the country, with the quality of fitters that we have, the amount of fitters versus what we know can be done with data. Come on, yeah, man. and
2: that's and that's the thing, right? That we say this: the data is question. the data. It's based on input from <laughs> real golfers. Whereas, <laughs> like if you if you put in the same input every time, you know, the data is going to give you the same output every time. Whereas, like you said, if you go to ten different fitters, you're going to get six different results, and
0: and that's not good. I don't want to go to ten doctors and get um you you know you have six different diseases.
2: <laughs> the other reality is though, knowing what we know about golf clubs and and how narrow the differences can be for a lot of golfers, it's it's very possible that those six recommendations are functionally indistinguishable from each other in terms of actual performance. So
1: Chris and Harry both have their hands raised. Chris, let's go to you first.
2: Yeah, uh, we need a button. Quick oh, question. What's... Yeah, quick
4: question for the uh, for the panel here. When is the last time that anybody out here got a made-to-measure bespoke custom suit? Like, you went Mm. to a tailor, they measured it, like, right up to your balls, and it was all uncomfortable, (laughs) you know? And you're like, oh, like, when's the last time you did that?
0: Uh, Five
2: years ago, probably. I mean, I was fit for a suit, but it wasn't, like, you know, end-to-end. I would never buy a suit off the rack. No, no, me neither. But
4: you know what I would do? Is take a picture, you know, take some measurements, th- 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 put them in the computer, and they send me a couple different suits. I go, you know what? That's perfect because if I'm shopping for a suit that way, I'm more like the 20 million golfers that are out there that aren't the five to six million that all the big companies are counting on to buy the new club every cycle, right? We know a vast majority, a vast percentage of companies that they're, they're reliant on that core group of five, six, Million golfers, right? But far more people buy golf equipment the way that we would probably buy a suit. It's for a couple occasions. I want, I need to have it because I got this interview. I got this, or I got to travel. I got to look nice. I got a presentation, so I need to have a suit that fits, that looks good, and all that. And you would really... go online? Absolutely, hundred percent, dude.
3: With the iPhones technology right now, or technology in general, there is an app where you can lean it up against the wall, and it. Takes your measurements. Hey, hey
2: Harry I don't I don't mean to interrupt but but is there an app that will make a key
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's probably that's probably your invention <laughs> there you go you're a millionaire
0: as Harry said there's apps that will fit you right online and have your chest measured your arm length measured and
3: and then you're done you're done that's legit and
0: you don't have to go in and have somebody tuck you know measure your nuts
3: the question I have is how many unbiased fitters are there in the in the country?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's unknowable.
3: Right, so unknowable. I, the only un, unbiased one I know is true golf fit, where it's based on data.
0: And like you said, the, the thing that's measuring you, right, it's a computer. It doesn't care what it ends up telling you. It just tells you what the, what facts the are. fit is. Yeah, so Miranda, would
4: I buy a suit that weight? Sure. And here's why. I would buy a suit that way because I want something that's fit to me. I want something that takes my dominant characteristics into play and works around those, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I swing it this fast or I have this tempo of my swing, you know, the things that are most important, if we can nail these three or four main components, like my height, weight, shoulder measurement, you know, basic things, I'm going to get a pretty darn good fitting suit. Good enough for the 90% of a situation where I'm going to look at that where, you know, people aren't going to be judging me going, dang, that thing isn't tucked in here, here, right? Or that thing could be a little bit more tapered. Or why, why do you go with the pleated pants, you know?
1: This leads me into the question then, and if we keep using your clothes analogy, as fast fashion and everything came to be a trend, there are a bunch of places that you can't trust you see a picture and it ends up coming from a faraway place and it's just a really cheaply made piece of fabric. So you, you kind of realize what outlets you can trust and what you can't. So as digital fittings become more popular, there's probably going to be a lot of different places that golfers can go to get their digital well, online fitting. To-
0: when we first started My Golf Spy, how many options were there in the space? Zero. How many options are there now? True Golf Fit, the one we're... That's going to be coming out next year from a big time golf company. You try Dollar Driver Club, Arcos, Bridgestone V Fit, and the list goes on and okay, on. Okay, proving on, my right? point,
1: but the question is, how do golfers know what outlet is trustworthy and working on relevant good data, and which ones aren't?
0: I don't think they're going to know right now. You know what we're saying is this is just starting, kind of like the Netflix thing. It might take another decade for it, but it's sooner or later, the big players are moving. They're already. Trust me, when True Golf Fit came out. There was two years development before that, I think, ballpark. So many of the industry, we met with so many of them. They were already going, hey, this is where our headspace is at, okay? So once the bigger people get into this space, then people will know, first of all, it'll be more convenient, more available to more people, and the cream of the crop of whoever does it the best will rise to the top, right? I mean, obviously, we built True Golf Fit. That said, it's only for drivers right now. What I would recommend is try it. Take those two drivers it recommends, go to Dollar Driver Club or U-Tri from Global Golf, get both of those in for 25 or 40 bucks or whatever they charge you, and test them and see which one works best for you and send back the ones that don't. We say, go get fit, go get fit, go get fit. The problem about
3: that is, yes, we know it's important, but the other problem is there isn't many. It can cost way too much money to get fit, and... Three, who has the time, because everyone's working 9 to 5, m- Monday to Friday.
0: That's a great point.
3: To go do that.
0: Like I said, it's an ex- experience, man. Yeah, like, but that's, that's the rarity, man. Like, yeah, Think sure. about think about my friends. I own my golf spot. My friends for 15 years have been like, hey, man, I need to come in and get a fit, get a fit, get a fit. <laughs> 15 years later, Buff's still playing a burner R7. I mean, no, R7. And how many times do
3: we want to go to the PXG experience? I wouldn't want to do that. But I ain't got 10 grand to go do that, you know? So some people might not have 300, 400 bucks I, to go. I don't get think
2: it. you can do it for 10 grand. Yeah, well,
3: whatever it is, you know, whatever the price is. I'm not, I'm not even know. I don't even know how much it is because I can't even afford it.
0: I think <laughs> golfers are so confused and distrustful of, they don't even know who, like, who's a fitter around here? Who's a good fitter? Uh, how much does it cost? There's so many unknowns when it comes to Like if you want to go get a burrito, right? You know to go to Taco Bell, this place, that place, that to no, get Chipotle. I'd
2: like to point out that I still cannot get a chili cheese burrito at Taco Bell. <laughs> and this problem was supposed to have been fixed by now.
0: Mark King. But when it comes to golf club fittings, oh, I'm going to tell you, being in this space for 20 years and hearing all the people I know that are personal friends, I don't even know where to send them because there's no running really around here. That's a reasonable point because here, like, I'm in
2: you know upstate New York, Saratoga, whatever, and there are some guys in my area, you know, mixed reviews. And I would say, and so when when somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, firstly, like, can you fit me? I'm like, man, I don't I don't have the kind of inventory laying around here necessarily to do it right. So they're like, where do I go? And I'm like, well, you know, you could go see the guys at at Pete's in Long Island. It's not close. Like, typically, my recommendation is drive four hours.
3: Right. And um, here's the thing yeah. is I, I get I get guys who email me all the time saying, I, you keep saying go get fit. Well, where, where can we go? So I've narrowed it down to these two. I said, what I would do, because they're going to try and upsell you, just try and get your specs and then go from there and then, and then try over time. We have a great thing right in our, I'm looking at it right now, the Mizuno Swing Optimizer. It tells you the shafts based on an app.
0: It's not perfect, though. That's but it's you know, not
3: perfect, but it's a great bloody start.
0: But it's better than driving four hours to somebody.
2: Well, it's it's better if you don't want to drive four hours, right? But if again, if you want the experience, if you want to, you know, <laughs> if you want to go get fit for a golf clubs, and your your wife is willing to to piggyback a fancy spot a in the city on top of it, you can make that work. But it's it gets, it's not for everybody. Now you're looking at
3: about six seven hundred bucks for just that day, and you could do a That's, ten bucks online.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but Harry, Harry, maybe, maybe you haven't married, been married long enough to understand that everything is a negotiation. So well, Tony, Tony, if you're, if what you're saying
0: is the best option, I don't see 6 million golfers that are really willing to go, want to go get fit. Like doing I said, that.
2: two points, right? Or three, the best in-person fittings will always be the best option, but those are few and far between. So there, you're not going to service the majority of people, but ultimately the model that's going to work is the one that gives golfers what they want, whether that's a, you know, and that's a very individual thing. Do they know what they want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They may not know what's, what's best for them, but they know what they want.
3: <laughs> I feel a my MyGolfSpy lab going on. I feel like one of us should go to five or six locations.
2: Well, based on what we've talked about, that's about, that's about 10 to 12 hours of driving.
0: <laughs> and there's the problem.
3: But that's what we might have to do, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, all the smart people that I talk to that are in this space with their head in this space all know or at least say data fittings, data driven fittings will outpace and outperform human fittings definitively. It's not even a question.
2: What I'm going to say is I think kind of the the pinnacle of fitting is going to be a really knowledgeable fit or outfitted
0: with a large set of data. Man, that's let anybody in the country got that, let us know and we'll send all <laughs> six million people to you. <laughs> and we'll start with Harry.
1: <laughs> Chris, speaking of some online platforms, you're writing an article this week called The Grint. Uh, well, not called The Grint, but about The Grint. Um, my guess is there's a fair amount of golfers that haven't heard of The Grint. So can you give okay. us a background on it and how they use their app and, and to to help golfers with their game?
4: Yeah, it actually actually kind of fits nicely with the, the topic for it is. Yeah, the article is not only called the Grint. That's the uh, the name of the company. There's kind of a cool, cool backstory to that. But basically, what it is is the way that I describe it. It's kind of like a social network, like a you know Snapchat or Twitter or something like that, meets a USGA approved handicap structure. So for people that carry a USGA handicap, right, you need that handicap to play in certain events or you know any type of competitive event. What the Grint offers is a little bit different, where it kind of offers more of a social community aspect to it. So things like live leaderboards, you know, I kind of liken it a little bit to, uh, what was it like two years ago, maybe Tony, when you would kind of almost do like live updates throughout your, your men's rounds on like Wednesday nights or whatever, <laughs> with our Arcos, and it was like, it was like par, par, double. You know, and, it was, <laughs> and, and and we all got we all got a lot of kick. You know, whatever. So this is kind of like mm-hmm. that, but you can create live leaderboards and have events going on at the same time, where it can kind of manage that tournament experience. Or you can just enter your scores, take a picture of your scorecard. Actually, you don't even have to enter stuff. You take a picture of your scorecard, and it syncs seamlessly with with the USGA World Handicap System. So when when the USGA when that was revised. This is integrated with that. So you can have, if you belong to the Grint, they have memberships. It's 20 bucks a year, 40 bucks a year, depending on what you want. If you have a membership through the Grint, you have a USGA handicap.
0: Hey, Chris, is that, is that unique to the Grint? Like, is that the only place, like an app that you can, you know, or the main one that you can actually get a USGA handicap and not by entering it into a system?
4: I don't know of any others that are USGA approved. Um, there may be other ones that are out there. I don't know of any. Um, obviously, you know, people have their handicap, like through a course, you know, like maybe they charge you that $50, 70 fee, whatever year, and, and you get a handicap through your course. That's
0: pretty cool, man. I mean, if you can get a handicap that way and in- 20 bucks.
3: That's the one big thing about it is there's so many golfers out there that are not a member anywhere. So therefore they don't have a legitimate handicap. Right. So how are they supposed to play in, in some like two man team events with their buddy? If it's like a VSGA
4: event or state event whatever it is
3: they can't do it you
2: give a false name (laughs) kidding i do not condone that
4: i do want to be clear about this though the one place where uh, you know like so the grant isn't affiliated with any state association so like if you want to play in the state am or try to qualify for the state metal player match player or whatever a lot of times local state associations will require membership in that association. So, you know, the, the Virginia Golf Association may say, hey, you got to pay a $35 fee to be part of that association. CGA, where I'm at, Colorado Golf Association, you have to pay a membership fee, you know, to be part of the state association to play in state-run events. The grant doesn't help you with that, but if it's having a handicap established, USGA legit, right? I mean, it is it is the same. They call it a handicap ID you know, USGA calls it GIN, whatever, same thing. The two systems actually talk back and forth in sync. So you could enter it on USGA or you could enter it on the grint and they're whatever that is, you know, compatible. They're they're they Look
0: at that man. Data and technology. Damn it. Taking over the world. <laughs> damn
4: it, why, Tony.
3: Why did they why did they come up with <laughs> Why is it called The Grin? It sounds very
2: close to
4: The Grinch. Read the article. (laughs) I'm not going to give that. I'm not going to give it away. There's kind of a little cool backstory to it. So you got to read the article for that
2: one. Teaser. Jesus. When I was talking to
1: you about this a couple of days ago, as you were prepping to write the article, you had a certain opinion about handicaps in general. And I would be interested to see you pose this to the group because I have a feeling that at least Harry's going to have an opinion about it.
4: What did I say? Oh,
2: here, let me, let me reference my notes.
4: This is like when Adam and I talk and we have like 15 really good ideas and a day later, like I can't remember any of them. I don't know what happened.
1: Whoa. You asked, is the handicap system helping golfers cheat creatively?
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) Oh, Oh yeah. That was a great question. So my thought was with handicaps, it's like nobody's ever happy with their weight. They're always trying to either get in better shape, lose weight, gain weight, whatever. Nobody's like, oh. I'm perfect.
2: Yeah, forever trying to gain weight.
4: <laughs> but with handicap, it's like people are always trying to do one of two things. They're all either trying to fluff it up a little bit, you are know, getting ready for member guest season, you know, whatever the case is, or if you're trying to lower your handicap, you're trying to get better. We know, hey, Arcos users in, in general gain, you know, or lose five, you know, roughly five strokes in their first year of using it. That's used to sell things, right? So, People either trying to get better, and that's proof of that. If you have a lower, hey, I started at a nine this year, I'm down to a five. There's there's social uh, pressure with that, right? There's some type of credibility around having a lower handicap. So my thought was, I wonder if people are using handicaps to, you know, or how they're using handicaps to cheat creatively. And does something like the Grint, where it's a smaller circle of people, maybe help alleviate or create some social pressures to make handicaps? more accurate IE like in your you know Wednesday night league or whatever you got your 12 buddies that you play with all the time it's really hard to fudge a handicap within that group of 10 or 12 people you know each other <laughs> too well i know but you know you know if tony's sitting there going 88 88 88 92 88 and all of a sudden i'm seeing 73 72 i'm like damn tony that's awesome what are, you know what are you working on what like that's going to stick out I'm working on leaving after the 14th hole <laughs> So that was my question.
1: Harry, why don't you give us our, uh, your experience with the handicap system and your
3: most recent tour that you played on? There's a lot of sandbagging going on. You don't say. <laughs> and they're doing it for a reason, to win money. Here's the problem with the handicap system in America. You can enter nine holes on a random bloody day and that would, be, that would count as nine holes. So say you could be five under gross and then come back two or three days later add another nine holes on the back nine and be another five under, you're technically 10 under, so your handicap for that day is plus 10, but you did not complete the whole round in the same same day. It's, complete, it's, it's, it's just stupid. Plus, it's not in a competition. In England, where we invented the bloody game or United Kingdom, so you're welcome.
2: <laughs> so we're just stretching that out as we-, Here we go. United Kingdom.
3: Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, You you can only cut your handicap in competitions. So who wants to go and play in the competitions and play like shit?
2: As a really good golfer, you're making kind of the same mistake I think the, the USGA makes with the distance report, is you're taking an entire ecosystem and applying it to only the best golfers. So while it's that system the may golfers. not work for a competitive golfer, such as yourself, for the guys who are who are playing for beers on Wednesday night or a couple bucks on Sunday, for the most part, it works just fine. Yeah, but for
3: those for those golfers, they can go and play in VSGA events and, and sandbag the crap out of it, and then they'll play up against you. And you'll be like, how the hell are they shooting 45? Like, you you have a gross score of 45, how did that even happen?
1: Yeah, but what I was curious about, Harry, when you were playing this summer in the the tours and the tournaments that you were on, your handicap worked against you.
3: Yeah, I was technically a plus five, because I was... Why aren't you playing in scratch events? Because it was COVID.
2: So I mean that's that's just the limitation, right? Like everything you're talking about, if you're playing in a scratch event, none of it matters. And that's- no, it
3: doesn't. But this handicap system—it's it, another one—is is standard scratch. So slope ratings. If I play my course and I shoot level par, but it's a slope rating of three or four over, and I shoot level, I'm technically plus four or five because of the slope rating.
0: Yeah, but Harry, don't you just think? Pretty simply put, the tour that you were playing on was shit. Meaning it was it's the m- only
3: way to get practice. It was the only way to get practice during COVID.
0: I understand that. But the concept of the tour was shit. Meaning it was mixing people like you with plus fives, with yes. which aren't sandbaggers in general, unless you're Patrick Reed, right? And they're not cheating in the <laughs> sand. And mixing that with dudes that just drink beers on the weekend, and, you know what I mean? And sandbag, right? So of course that was going to be a train wreck. But for the most part, n- like part Tony of, said.
3: I'm not even talking about that, though. Miranda brought that up. I'm talking about the handicap system in general.
2: Oh, it's it's not a perfect system because you're a plus five. and
0: Well, it's not a perfect system because we're relying on humans to be honest, and inherently, they're not always honest. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but even
2: with an honest handicap, if Harry and I were, were playing head-to-head, especially in match play, I'd probably take a lot of money off him.
4: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Chris, you know? is that, <laughs> is that what the grant does? It keeps you honest?
4: Well, so I think I think it has the opportunity in in certain circles to do that where, you know, again, like we have a we have a Friday afternoon uh game that we play at TPC and there's you know 12 or 12 Just or 16 arrest
2: TPC. <laughs> yeah,
4: it's great like my buddy Glenn at TPI. And uh <laughs> and but the point we all know each other well enough, right? To kind of have an idea where people are. So if somebody's handicap were moving a lot or one way or the other, you would be able to flesh that out pretty quick. And so it, it's great because it's very competitive and nobody's worried about that person getting another stroke on the front or giving up a stroke on the back or whatever it is because you know it's entirely legit. And it's largely because of the the size of, of the group. So if you had an event and you were using like the Grint, right, where you could set up your own little, you know, for your Saturday four balls or your whatever, and you use that system to manage like the live leaderboard and you can talk trash on there and send pictures back and forth, like kind of Snapchat kind of stuff, and you have that system set up there, I think there's social pressure within there that all of a sudden it's like, man, this guy showed up for the Saturday morning game four or five weeks in a row, says I he's a your five, you know, comes in and plays at a five, and he shot 72, 71, 72. I mean, I
0: think the key to this is, look, the handicap system is not perfect. I don't think it's probably ever going to be perfect, but the grint is a cool feature, in my opinion, just because it allows you to not have to be a member of a country club or whatever, right. and you can take a picture of your scorecard, which is really cool, And it syncs with the system. It's pretty, I mean, it's convenience, right?
3: Yeah. I think that would be sweet. But if it goes, if you go into actual events that people are competing for money, I think it has a problem. Harry had a bad time
2: last summer. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just reality. As soon as as somebody builds a system, somebody's going to figure out how to game it. And so, I mean. You just have to stomach that piece of it, and sometimes you get shanled.
0: Yeah, and how many golfers are playing for money? I mean, most of us aren't. I'm still bitter
4: about Tony and I finishing like a half a point out of the money at the last member guess because there was a sandbagger involved in that situation. And <laughs> how pissed were you? It's unfortunate.
2: Well, that was that was the first one. The second time we got him back because I, I came out and I had the morning of my life, and then yeah. we shat, shat the bed the rest of the time. Yeah, it was but. the
4: old like 37:45. That was beautiful. Yes. Yeah, I've got
1: even... Mrs. Sally Nodwell in Exmouth England says, if we want a replica of a key, we take it to the cobblers where they put the old key into a machine and then the machine copies it.
3: <laughs> the
4: new one.
1: The finishing touch is filing it smoothly. That is done by hand. Hope this answers your question.
0: <laughs> so there's a city cobbler. But but Harry just forgot the machine and just remembered (laughs) the pilot. I did not see
2: any machine. I don't know what the next topic is or if there is one, but whatever it is, there's your segue, I guess.
1: (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say, because now we're about to go on to something fun. I'm going to give each of you a chance, modified hot seat, if you will, um, each of you a chance to tell me what is one thing that you would change about
3: golf. Handicap.
1: (laughs) Let's see, Adam. What about you? Do
0: you have an idea? I see these pictures of like Matt Janella posting, you know, where he's playing golf, and all his buddies are in like you know t-shirts and jeans and flip flops or whatever they want to wear. And I'm, I got to be honest, I'm a little jealous. I'm like, man, I wish there were some golf courses around here that would just let you go out and have fun and not have to. You know, a lot of places that I go, they're like, you're not allowed on the range unless you have a polo, which, in my opinion, is like you know, in-person fittings. The future is trending towards not wearing polos and uh, wish more courses would do- We're doing it right now.
1: Tend to agree, Chris. What about you? If you could change one thing about golf, what would it be?
4: I would make music playing on the course mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> you have to oh, play... Boy you have oh, to play music. Boy. <laughs> you show up to a beach or a park or something and people are hanging out, throwing Frisbees, dogs are running around and, and that kind of stuff. I, I wish golf had more of that sense and vibe to it as opposed to like, hey, shh, hold on, this guy's going to hit. Shh, quiet, hey, shh, shh. It's a game. You know, a game is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be experience right that, that that people enjoy and I get there's gonna be people that say well that is the experience I like I, I that is how I want it that that is what makes you know what allows golf to be fun for me great absolutely but Tony you'll love this we just got new carts at TPC uh, again for this year so I'm gonna throw that out there every cart in it has uh, Wi-Fi and speakers
1: Adam is your mother-in-law still visiting because <laughs> I know she has a certain opinion about this doesn't she
0: yeah, she just came in town, uh, lives in Myrtle Beach, plays a lot of golf, loves golf. So every time she comes, obviously, she wants we have a good chat about it and what's going on with her game. And uh, I said, hey, how's your golf game? And she said, man, it's going great. I love golf. You know, I just shot up my best round ever, but man, there's something going on in the golf course this year that I've never seen before. I said, what's that? She goes, I don't know what happened, but damn, if everybody didn't listen to the music and playing speakers loud <laughs> as hell on the golf course, I said- there's a, You can blame Harry Nodwell for that, probably.
1: <laughs> Harry, what's one thing you would change about golf? Are you sticking with handicap?
3: Uh, I, would say, I would say handicap <laughs> plus uh, online fittings. I think they're the future.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what do you think? <laughs> can I use two things? Can I give you two things? I'll let first, you have two. The first one, I'd like to say I'm joking, but I'm not. I feel like... Um, Any brand that sticks a made for shaft in a driver over $450 and then goes even a little bit out of their way to disguise the fact that it's made for, uh, the CEO should do jail time. So that's... (laughs) of gears. Yeah. I support that. You know, maybe like white collar golf jail, but still some kind of jail. I, I think in general, I would like to see whether it's your mind or the game, just and it, it touches on the, the stuff the other guy said, golf needs to be a little more open to new things. And, and maybe that's me more open to digital fittings and, you know, guys more open to to music and not dressing a certain way and courses being more open to, to not being elitist and being more welcoming. So, I mean, it's, it's a big umbrella, but yeah, just, you know, be, be open to new ways and, and new approaches and. New people coming into the game and and playing the game in different ways, whatever it is. Just don't be so rigid in your mindset and belief structure. Golf's
3: a little bit intimidating, just like, um, oh, I don't know, what was it? Um, Oh, in-person fittings. Yeah, there we go. That's quite intimidating. You could do it
2: all online. (laughs) You should be open to in-person fittings and jail time (laughs) for made for chefs. (laughs)
1: Well we've covered a lot today. I was gonna ask you if you what trends you were seeing, but I think somewhere in the midst of this, we've probably mentioned a few of them.
0: Yeah, I think one trend is definitely speakers and music for sure. Yep. Um
2: even though I have nothing to do with it at all, it's my favorite test every year just because like the polarization of that is just so like people
1: get so mad. Yeah, there's
2: there's very there's very little of like, eh, you know, I don't care either way. There's there's saying like, yes, I I have the absolute right to play my music. And there are people who are like, you know, if you play music on the golf course, you need to go in jail with the CEOs of the guy. The I think the, the only shares. other
0: more polarizing one, actually, it probably wouldn't even be polarizing, just pitchforks would be if we did an iron head cover uh, buyer's guide. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good.
1: Guys, we covered a lot today. Thanks for... <laughs> hanging a gall- well either that or we went really far into only a few circles <laughs> so thanks for hanging in there and uh until next time we out we out